Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Let me just get this recording on. I've preached messages on the Declaration of Independence. It's a powerful document. You're, you're not even allowed to read it in a lot of public schools, believe it or not, because it violates the separation between God or state and, and religion, as it mentions God. Our founding documents are now illegal. That's how far we've fallen. Okay, so Lord, we pray you'd bless this word now. As we continue on in Proverbs, we're going to deal with Proverbs chapter 4. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about giving heed to the word. Somebody say giving heed to the word. Heed to the word. Proverbs chapter 4, and the whole chapter is really, really great and rich, but because we want people to leave with one main train of thought and because of the limited time we are going to just deal with a section that goes from verse 20 to 27 and as we have seen the past few weeks the book of proverbs is a book of wisdom and prudence and the acclamation of our lives to that wisdom and it shows the relationship between hard work and results, between cause and effect. That's the whole book. I remember there was a time when I read only the book of Proverbs for a year and a half, uh, with the exception of a few times I had to preach other things. But uh, this book just really impacted my life and helped me manage my money, plan my life, and walk in a way where the maximum blessing can come. And the book teaches us that blessings don't just happen automatically. Just because you are born again, and even just because you go to church, doesn't mean you're walking in God's paths. And it doesn't mean that you're going to receive his blessing. And so in the same way, there's a law of gravity. If you jump up, you will come down. Every action, there's a reaction, right? Cause and effect. That's how God designed the moral laws of the universe. So scientists know only about the laws of physics and subatomic physics and the laws of nature and gravity and pull and lift and all of that stuff. But they don't understand the moral law or the ethical laws that the universe responds to. The invisible God who created the visible world. And that's what this book is all about. That's why it's so important to know it. And I don't know if they did this on purpose, but they divided the book of Proverbs into 31 chapters. And so what I did for many years was read one book of Pro one chapter of Proverbs according to the day of the month. And so this morning, for example, I would read chapter 4, which is what we're preaching on. 
tomorrow, chapter 5, and you start your day off reading one chapter so that you read the whole book 12 times every year. So it's such an important book. And in terms of reading the Bible, I would encourage you to have a plan to go through the whole Bible once a year. Most people don't do that. And so you just read three chapters of the Old Testament every day, starting with Genesis chapter 1, three chapters of the New Testament, starting in Matthew chapter 1, one book, one chapter of Proverbs, one psalm before going to bed. If you do that, you'll read through the whole Bible and the book of Psalms. You'll get through uh, twice a year, Proverbs 12 times a year, and the New Testament four times a year. That's all you do. So today, Genesis 1 to 3, tomorrow, Genesis 4, 5, and 6. Just chronologically, don't just open the Bible because you'll never get through the Bible. So if you just do that, it'll change your life. So the Bible is a book of wisdom, practical wisdom. The Bible really doesn't say much about heaven. Isn't that shocking? We really don't know much about heaven. The Gospel of John says that we have eternal life. That starts now. But most Christians think the Bible's a book about heaven. No. The Bible is the most practical book ever made about how to live your life on the earth. It's about stewarding your life and your influence properly. That's why Jesus told us to pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So the focus of Christianity is not heaven. It's the earth. You don't need the Bible in heaven, <laughs> right? And you shouldn't just live so you can go to heaven. You should live so you could fulfill your purpose on earth. That is why you have the Bible. And, um, and so we're going to just delve into a few verses here, as I said. So let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20 to 27. It's the uh, English Standard Version. He says, my son, be attentive to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked or perverse speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the left or to the right. Keep your foot from evil. And so going back to verse 20, we see four things God commands us to do if we desire results from him. And that would be under the title or topic, the cause. And we're going to get into the effect. The cause. First he says, be attentive. Be attentive to my words. So what does it mean to be attentive? It means to take care, to be watchful, to be diligent, to be conscientious, to be always 
at a place where you're looking at it. The opposite of being attentive to God's word is to neglect it, is to dismiss it, is to be careless, is to not care about it. So when we don't regularly spend time in the word of God, if we don't prioritize it, then we're not being attentive, right? Uh, there are people who are arrested for not being attentive to their child. They leave their child alone in a car for hours in the heat, or they leave their child alone in the house for three days at a time to go on a binge, right? That is neglect. That is abuse. But when you don't read the word regularly, you're abusing your own life. You're neglecting the words that will give you meaning, that will give you truth, that will give you significance, that will teach you how to live. So you're literally abusing yourself. And I know a lot of people who are not good with sitting down and reading, and that's fine. A lot of men, especially, they used to working with their hands and active and all. So you know what? Just listen to the word while you're driving, while you're working out, while you're walking. Anything to get the word in you. It's not wrong to listen to the word. That's not cheating. Matter of fact, they didn't have Bibles when this was written. They only heard the word. They never read it. The only people who read it were some of the priests and prophets and others, but most people were not literate, right? So they had to hear the word. And so we don't want to be neglectful. We need to keep the word front and center of our life. Someone say, the front and center of my life. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, do your best, King James, I love it, it says, study, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker that needs not to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So present yourself to God as one approved, to be approved of God, not for salvation, but for work, for service, for purpose. You need to study the word of God. You need to take it serious. Doesn't matter whether you have a call to preach or be a pastor, there's nothing to do with it. Everybody's called to know the word of God. Everybody's a minister in their own right to represent God wherever they are. If you're a barber, you can win more people to Christ as Eric does, then pastors, right? Uh, if you're a, a doctor, I just had dinner with a doctor who's in our church, uh, somebody else dealing with banks, they're always with people who don't know the Lord. You're still a shepherd. You're still an evangelist. You still need to know the word of God, right? You have more of a chance to win people to Christ than I do, who's constantly with just people in the church, except for when I do things on the outside, right? So everybody should know the word, not just those who are called to quote-unquote preach in the church. Uh, and so study to show ourselves approved. What else does he say in verse 20? He says, incline your ear. Incline your ear. That's an interesting word. The word incline in the original language Hebrew means to extend it. It means to bend it. By implication, it means to humble yourself. It means to make an effort. If you're talking to somebody and there's a lot of outside noise, 
if you really care about what they're saying, you're going to move your chair closer. Maybe you're going to have your ear pointed towards their mouth a little bit, right? You are taking it serious. Or if you're having a serious conversation with somebody, you're totally focused. And in this day and age, with all the voices that are competing with God's voice in our life, whether it is Facebook and TikTok and Instagram or Twitter or television or live streaming or friends and family, all the noise, everything out there, all these noises. And in New York City, it's loud noises, loud voices. Uh, 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 man, if you see a tree, you think you're in paradise in New York City, right? In this concrete jungle. In this city and in any metropolitan complex, I was in Mexico City, they have 30 million people. You think you have a lot here? We don't even have 10 million. They have 30 million. Uh, there are other cities, much more people and populous than New York City. When you're in these kind of cities and uh, in an environment where it's very crowded, you need to make an extra effort. You have to, not just with your ear, use it like this. You have to incline your ear. You have to make an extra effort. And it shows humility when you hear, when you incline your ear. By implication, what the Bible is teaching is that you are hearing with the intent to obey. You're not just hearing with the intent to be tickled in your ears, to be excited, to be emotional, to yell amen. You are hearing with the whole intention of obeying what God says, right? God doesn't get excited when you raise your hands and shout. He gets excited when you put the word of God into practice. So we are called to pay attention to the word, to incline our ears to make an effort, and then he says, verse 21, do not let them escape or depart. Wow. By implication, it means the word can escape from us. You could meditate on the word today, but that doesn't mean you don't need to do it tomorrow because the word could easily leave you, easily escape your consciousness, escape your mind. Uh, uh, and that's why we have to keep it in front of us. That's why we should have a practice of, of reading through the Bible. And it takes a daily devotion of doing it, setting aside that 15, 20 minutes, a half hour, whatever it is. And so we are not to let it depart from us. I remember many times when I travel to other countries, I have a special wallet that is around my, uh, my uh, belt. And it opens up, and I keep my money, I keep my passport, I keep important documents in there, I keep the airline tickets if I have connecting flights. That thing doesn't leave. I don't put it on the above space. I don't put it in another bag. It is on me all the time. Because God help you if you lose your passport and you're in another country. The hassle it takes to get back home. Uh, especially nowadays, of course, with COVID and all the crazy things going on. My wedding ring, I keep my wedding ring on all the time, except if I'm going in a, in a, in a, in a sometimes I'm going to rough waters with a lot of waves, but I'll put it in my safe. In other words, I know where it is at all times. There are some people who haven't cracked their Bible open in years. They don't even know where it is, Right? 
We have let it depart. We're complaining about prayer being taken out of schools, but the problem is prayer was taken out of our homes. We don't even pray with our children. We don't pray and have dinner together. We don't do devotions. You're worried about public schools when the house of God is bereft of God. We have to rebuild the altar in our houses again. We have to stop neglecting the word of God and putting it in our hearts means putting it in our homes. The problem is in the home more than it is anywhere else. And so we need to understand that it can escape. We leak. We leak. If you want to be great, uh, um, I forgot the guy's name now. The guy who wrote the book, The Outliers, um, I forgot his name now, but lucky I remember my own name and I put my pants on right today. But I'm having a good day when I put my pants on right. But uh, the guy who wrote the book, The Outliers, says in order for you to master anything, you have to practice for 10,000 hours. If you're going to be a virtuoso on the guitar or the violin or something like martial arts, you're constantly practicing katas, 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 and stretching and all that. It just doesn't happen. It takes about 10,000 hours to separate yourself from other people, right? Um, and so when it comes to the word of God, it doesn't just happen. To know it means that you have to put it in the front and center of your life. Front and center of your life. Um, so one of the biggest fears we have in our life the biggest anxiety attacks we have is when we don't know where our phone is, right? You got everything in that phone. Uh, or you don't know where your wallet is, right? I'd be more concerned about not knowing where the Word of God is. We need to make sure we never leak. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 6, Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. doesn't mean holding a Bible in your pocket. It means not forsaking the study of it, the meditation of it. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will protect you. Wow. We're called not just to be focused and diligent, but we're literally called to have a love for God's word, a passion. Now, if you don't have it, it doesn't mean you don't read it. Because when you read it, you cultivate a passion for it. But God wants us to love his word. That means actions. That means commitment. That means covenant. That means you do it whether you feel like it or not. If you love your children when they get up in the middle of the night crying, even though you're sound asleep, you get up. Not because you love getting up and being woken up and having a beautiful sleep interrupted. You don't love that, but you love your child. So you take care of your child even if you don't feel like getting up, right? You get up for work after having a sleepless night. You have to be there at 6 a.m. You don't like it, but you are committed to it. That's what love is, right? You love, you're committed to your spouse, your children. Whatever you're committed to, you love, whether you feel like it or not, right? That's how it should be with the Word of God. You're committed to studying that Word no matter what. And if you don't forsake it, it will protect you. The fourth admonition Keep them within the midst of your heart. 
It's not enough for it to be in your head. It needs to be right in the middle, the middle voice, the center of your being. Um, it says in Proverbs 4, 8, prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. So the center of our being, it means that it becomes the place where every attitude and action emanates from. It changes our center. If you want to center yourself, it's not just mindfulness and meditation and people are trying to practice yoga, taking long walks and practicing silence and solitude. You want to do all that, go ahead. But if you don't center your life on the word of God, you'll never be properly centered and you'll never be rooted and grounded and you will not be ready for the storms of life. It's as simple as that. And so the admonitions, I'll just read them again. It says, be attentive to his word, incline your ear, let it not escape or depart, and keep them in the midst of your heart. So these are all the causes. These are the things we do. What is the result of this? It says, for they are life to those that find them. Wow. Powerful. Life. It means you will find the meaning of life. You will discover why you were born. The whole world is constantly searching for what they don't know. Constantly longing for meaning in life. Going from one job to the next, one relationship to the next. Or drowning their life with sports. To try to feel some kind of purpose or happiness. But the word of God when it's the center of your heart, is life to those who find them. It becomes your life. It shows you why you're here. It's not just a thing to do. It's not just a weekly Sunday meeting. It's not just something you're into once in a while. It becomes life. It becomes your life. So it is life to those who find them. And then it says, and it is health for all your flesh. Wow. Wow. Proverbs 3.22 says, the word of God will be life for your soul. Your emotions, your mind, your intellect, it gives you peace. It gives you tranquility. It gives you the right way to think. It will be adornment for your neck. It actually makes you act and look better. It makes you live your life better. It adorns your life. It says... In verse 13 of Proverbs 4, keep hold of instruction. There's that admonition again. Hold on to it. It's like if you're walking in a crowd, uh, you're walking in an action park, or you're walking in uh, Six Flags with a three-year-old. You're going to constantly hold that child. You don't want to let go. You let go for a minute, boom, that child could be gone, right? So that's what he's saying. Do not let go. Keep Hold, keep hold, keep hold. It means you got to fight. The fact that it says keep hold means that these voices will try to distract you, get you off course. When you're in a wrestling match, they try to get you off balance, right? There's a battle. We're in a battle right now for our life, for the life and soul of our family, for the life and soul of our neighbors and friends. Satan wants to get you off kilter, off center. He wants to get you off balance. 
And the only way is to, 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 to flourish in this world is don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go of the word of God. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. God loves his word so much that he personifies it as a beautiful woman, like a man in love with a, a woman. You can look at Proverbs 8. It's called a woman, Proverbs. You love wisdom, love instruction, love the word of God like you would somebody you're madly in love with, be intoxicated with her at all times. And so the powerful effect, the word of God, when we keep it in the center of our life, don't let it go, is it gives us physical and emotional and spiritual well-being. We've seen many people who are dying of a disease. And we gave them healing scriptures or a book. The best book ever written on that is uh, Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. Should, everyone should have one copy of that book in their house. And you just look at the scriptures and meditate and speak it and listen to it and just do that. And people get healed because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you're constantly reading about Jesus healing all that was sick and oppressed of the devil and all the miracles of the Bible. It just elevates your faith. Next thing you know, you're believing God for your own health. And you get healed. Uh, that's what it says here. That if you don't let go of the word and you keep it in the midst of your heart, it is life even to your physical body, to your flesh, not just your soul, not just your mind, not just your state of being, not just your purpose, but it actually affects your physical body. I mean, the number one killer in this world most likely is stress. That causes more diseases than anything else. When your mind is on the word, it negates stress. Gives you faith instead of fear. Gives you hope instead of depression. It gives you faith in God instead of faith in men. You exchange ashes for beauty. A spirit of heaviness goes away and a spirit of joy comes. So what happens when we keep our focus on the word of God is it even affects our physical health. Wow. Then he says in verse 23, watch over your heart. Watch over your heart. Not just keep the word. But now he's saying, watch your heart with all diligence. You are the gatekeeper of your own heart. The heart is a metaphor for the center of your being. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it might use the word kidney. It might use the word liver. Uh, the word heart is used mostly to depict the spirit. It's the center of your, your heart. And, uh, and so you are the gatekeeper of your heart. You want to have good thoughts. The people say, well, pray for me. I have a lot of anxiety. I have a lot of fear. Ask them, how much time you watch the news? Oh, about three, four hours a day. I'm always watching the news. How much time do you read the word? Uh, maybe five minutes a week. Junk in, junk out. Do you watch horror movies? I will not watch horror movies. You want to get a spirit of fear? Watch horror movies. Watch Poltergeist. Watch The Exorcist. Watch movies that scare you. Go ahead. You put that stuff on, 
and you're going to be afraid of the dark if that's all you're listening to. You're watching graphic violence all the time, graphic sex, and then you wonder why you can't control your thinking when it comes to lust. What are you watching? You have to guard your heart. It says protect your heart. Probably 50% of the men in the, in the world, maybe 80% now, are, are addicted to pornography. And what's happening with pornography? It causes you to go from love to lust. You now objectify women. You have a hard time loving your spouse. And when you get married, it's very hard sexually because you're not used to that kind of expression. It's more for self-gratification than it is to give an expression of love. So psychologically, pornography reorientates your mind. It creates neural pathways that are totally the opposite of the way God intended you to express yourself sexually. So you have to be the gatekeeper of your heart. You want to watch porn? Go ahead, do it. Who's going to stop you? You could put all the protections you want. You could have accountability partners, but you will figure out a way to do it. But the Bible says you are called to keep your heart. I can't do it. Your wife can't do it. Your spouse can't do it. Your friends can't do it. At the end of the day, it's up to you. And if you don't love yourself enough to protect your heart, now you could have accountability partners, you could have people to help you pray, of course. You have the church help you. But at the end of the day, at 2 o'clock in the morning, and, and you, you, know, you tell your spouse you're going to the bathroom. No, you're not just going to the bathroom. What are you doing? You see, I'm telling you, if you do not guard and protect your heart, you will not have the results in your life that you want. You could have all the dreams, the vision, and the ideas, but they will not come to pass if you're not protecting your heart. If you're filled with negativity. So it's not just putting the right things in your heart. It's not just the word in your heart. It's keeping the wrong things away from your heart. Does that make sense? Along with that, you shouldn't hang out with people who bring you down spiritually. You shouldn't hang out with people who are gossiping about the church, constantly tearing down the pastor, tearing down other believers, constantly judging other people, because your spirit is going to get poisoned. Because if you don't agree with them, you'll feel pressure. You, 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 they're my friend. I, I can't disagree with them. Yes, you can. You don't need to be with them. The only negative people you have to be with are the ones you're married to. <laughs> and maybe your children. Other than that, you have a choice. If your spouse is negative, you can't just jump out of the relationship. You're going to need counseling. You need to talk. But other than that, you, have a, you could choose who you have discretionary time with, who your friends are. As it says in 2 Timothy 2, 22, to be with those who call, out, call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. It's not every Christian in the church, by the way. And so it says to protect your heart. Why? That's the cause. What's the effect? For out of it flow the issues of life, the springs of life. Wow, the springs of life come out of your heart. Boy, you got to protect it. Your physical heart, you should watch your diet, right? 
You want to eat a lot of French fries? Go ahead. Let your cholesterol go up, your omega-6 go up, inflammation, it causes diseases and arthritis. And, and, and instead of telling you how to eat, they're just giving you more and more drugs that cause more and more side effects. And the side effects give them more money. The pharmaceutical companies don't want you to eat right. If you ate right, they would all go out of business. There's been a cure for cancer for, 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 for thousands of years. God's medicine is fruit, vegetables, and, and herbs. You eat the right way, you won't get all these diseases, right? But that's the physical heart. But then you got the issues of life that come. Issues of life come out of your heart. Your attitude comes out of your heart. Your way of life, your thinking, your behavior, your plans, the things you love, the things you hate, all come out. They flow out of your heart. And so if you're not the gatekeeper of your heart, whatever you allow in and you fall in love with becomes who you are. Amen. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It's too hard for me to, look at, to stop looking at porn. Why? Because you love it. Face it. You have to get to a point where you fear God and hate evil. Where you love God more than you love anything else. And once you get to that point, you'll get help. And you'll be honest. And you'll say, I can't deal with this. I need help. Pray for me. Maybe you need deliverance. Maybe you have a spirit of lust in you that needs to be cast out. Because that's what happens a lot of times. You open the door to the enemy. So now it's not just your will, it's the enemy making it even worse, which brings addiction. And we have people who could do that, help you with that. If you need help, you can talk to us. So you want to be the gatekeeper of your heart because out of your heart flow the issues of life, the springs of life. There's more we could say. Then he says in the next part of that verse, put away crooked or perverse speech, put devious talk from you. So the heart and the mouth or the words you speak go hand in hand. Jesus said in Matthew 12, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Then he said, I tell you, in the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. You could undo all the good you've done in your life by one conversation with someone. You could undo a lot of good by gossiping, by slander, by saying things you shouldn't say. 1 Peter 3.10, Peter says, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, how many desire to love life and see good days? Let me see your hand. The rest of you want to see bad days. I don't know why, but <laughs> whoever desires to love life and see good days, what is the answer? Win the lotto. Become famous. Have your 15 minutes of fame on TikTok because you act like a moron. 
No. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Wow. Then he says, the same passage, let your eyes look directly forward and then let your gaze look straight before you. What is that talking about? That's referring to focusing your life. If you're going to be a strong Christian, you're going to make it. You have to look ahead. You have to be. I remember when I was training in, in uh, kickboxing, my instructor told me, always look at the center. Don't look at their feet. Don't look at their arms. Don't look at their head. Look here. Because when you look there, you could see every other movement. If you take your eyes off your opponent, boom, you're gone. You're about to shoot, right? It's the NBA playoffs. You got one second left. A foul shot ties the game. Can you imagine? You're about to take the shot, and all of a sudden you see a pretty girl and you start looking at her. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. You don't look or think about anything but that shot. Your life depends on taking heed to the word. It means ponder the path of your feet. Consider all your ways. Ponder means be intentional. Don't just take every opportunity. Don't just fill up your life with activity. Try to be intentional. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Because if you don't keep your eyes straight ahead, you're going to go off the beaten path. So let's be intentional. Let's be focused on what's important. Imagine you're running a race. You're running a marathon or you're running whatever, you know, a 100-yard dash, whatever it is. You see a beautiful bird on the side. You're running as fast as you can. Oh, wait, what a beautiful bird. Nothing wrong with the bird. It's you, knucklehead. <laughs> Don't get distracted even by good things. Put God things ahead of good things. Sometimes good things are a way the enemy tries to tempt you. Get off. Nothing wrong with golf. It's good, relaxing, right? But don't play golf on Sunday, miss church. Don't play golf to such a point that you stop spending time with your children or your marriage or you hurt. You understand, you lose your job over it. The same thing with video. There are people who lost their job over video games. They can't stop playing. It's not a sin to play video games, but come on now. So stay focused. Don't go to the left or to the right. Don't let anybody steal your crown. So why don't we pray? How many want to live a life of intentionality? Let me see your hands. This is such an important chapter. It's as clear as tar on snow. Whatever you sow, you reap. If you sow tomato seeds, you're not going to get watermelon. If people, there are Christians who blame God. They're mad at God because they sowed tomato seeds and they expected 
watermelons. It doesn't work that way. And so God is a very, um, God is a very organized God who created the universe. And he wants us all to prosper. He wants us to fulfill our calling. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that your word is life to those who find it and health to all of our flesh. Father, we pray that you would help us to be the people you've called us to be, that we would ponder the path of our feet, that we would not go to the left or to the right, but we would go the straight and narrow road that leads to life. Oh, Lord, that your voice would be the primary voice in our life, that all these other competing voices would not be able to captivate our heart, pull us away from you, and steal our joy, and steal our faith, and steal our hope. Father, we just thank you. Let's stand before God right now, before we worship. Let's just make a fresh commitment to God. If you want, just raise your hands before him. If there's anybody here who wants prayer for physical healing or recommitment, whatever it is, you, you're welcome to just come up and we'll pray for you. And let's just uh, put a hand up if, if you feel comfortable doing that. Father, we just thank you for just love of the Word of God. Love. Father, we pray that you'd fill our church with love for the Scriptures, love for the truth, love for the Word that we would incline our ears, that we'd make an effort to hear your word today and every day, that we would make an effort to open that Bible, to crack that Bible open or listen to it every day. God, that we would keep it in the midst of our heart, that we would not let it go, that we would hold on to it, that we'd hold fast instruction because it is our life. Lord, we thank you that... Even physical healing can come as a result of the power of the Word of God, the power that says it doesn't return empty. It accomplishes that for which you sent it out to do. If you're sick in your body right now, just put your hand on that part of your body that needs healing. Let's believe God. It tells us in Psalm 107 that God sent His Word and healed them and deliver them from all of their afflictions, not some of their afflictions. So, Father, right now we're believing for physical healing from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. By the wounds of Jesus, we were healed. Father, we thank you for the power of the word of the living God that goes through their body right now. We break powers of Satan. Every spirit of sickness, every spirit of weakness, every spirit of fear, every spirit of depression, every spirit of unbelief, every spirit of lust, every spirit of pride. Right now we break every power of hell 
No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And you said that we will trample on serpents and scorpions and over all, not some, all the power of the enemy. So we release faith. We release healing. We release the power of God right now. Father, those suffering from depression, we bind that spirit of depression. We command it to leave. Father, we thank you that you said that we would have in exchange of the spirit of heaviness, a spirit of joy, that it would be ashes gone, beauty given. Father, we thank you for peace that you give us. My peace, you said, I leave you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. So, Lord, peace. We speak peace. We impart peace. We impart life. We impart power. Anybody who's sick in their body, you can come up here right now. We're going to believe God for you. Anybody who needs prayer for anything, just come up right now. We're not playing games. This is the day that the Lord has made. Hallelujah. Come on now. Faith has been released already. Faith has been released in the air. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Father, as hands are being laid, the Bible says that we will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We've seen mighty miracles in our church, many, many healings, too numerous to recount. We thank you for the healing power of Jesus. We thank you that if anyone is sick, let them call for the leaders of the church. Let them pray over them. And the prayer of faith shall heal. Not might, shall, shall heal the sick. We worship you. We thank you, God, for power being released, for healing, for virtue coming out of hands. We thank you that out of the hands of those who pray, out of the mouth will speak faith, and out of the hands will come power. Thank you for virtue coming out of them. Thank you, God. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.